one thing I've been working on, this might make me sound like some sort of robot, but like empathy. I do have empathy. I'm not, not a psychopath. But <laughs> I think I read something somewhere that's like empathy is a bit like a muscle. You need to practice. You need to get it working. And like if you had a certain type of upbringing, maybe it's like less attuned to working than say someone who was, it was used a lot particularly in a people function like these difficult conversations you might have like how you can work harder to like understand people their problems like how they'd feel and like what it means to them really getting in their shoes is something that therapy has been really helpful for and I feel like my empathy muscles are getting big. Hello there and welcome to Mental Health at Work the podcast where company leaders reveal the mental health stories that shaped them and their workplaces. Our special guest today is Will Beaton, head of people at MyTutor, who joined us for a chat about the time a manager saved him from burnout and the concrete actions companies can take if they really want to get serious about mental health. This podcast is brought to you by Oliva, proper mental health care for the whole team. Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm so sorry about being late. We had some technical issues. We were sweating. No, no problem at all. No problem at all. I'm really pleased to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So welcome to the Mental Health at Work podcast. To start, let's start with something in the topic. How are you feeling today? Today, I feel pretty good. This week, I have been a little bit tired. I felt kind of like that kind of close to burnout feeling. I think that's just, I haven't had a holiday in a while. I'm also doing some studies outside of work. So, mm-hmm. you know, where I've been working at the weekends on top of like a normal, it can kind of cause that close to burnout feeling. And then, yeah, I don't know if it's maybe just lockdown, but sleeping, I feel like I just wake up in the morning, like two early, like five o'clock, I'm just awake, wide awake. And my brain's already like running a million miles an hour. So been a bit tired, but kind of caught it started you know taking breaks going for walks getting the laptop closed trying to like switch the brain off and then feeling a little bit better so feel good going to the weekend you know i was now like realizing that because we started late and i was like oh i don't want to waste his time and i was like <laughs> we did an intro he didn't introduce himself so tell me a bit about you <laughs> uh so my name's will beaton i'm head of people at my tutor I've been there for about five years and my background's actually not people focused. I actually started off in kind of more like operational side of things. I guess in a startup, you do a lot of jobs and only really in the last kind of year and a half has people become a part of my role. And that's because when we went into lockdown and we went to remote working at the same time, we kind of tripled the size of the company because we, we were luckily a company that did well because we're online, an online tutoring company. People just became life basically and it had to. And I'm so pleased because that it's so interesting and it's amazing being able to like build on the culture. You know, we already had a really strong culture, but help building on it, both in a remote setting, building out that psychological safety, building the, the numbers of people in the team and the diverse team. So I absolutely love it. That's good. So I'm hearing that there is a lot of going on in your life right now. And that's like piling up and feeling like a bit of some, you were saying like, similar to burnout symptoms or or it feels like that how does it manifest to you yeah so i i had well i mean you know self-diagnosed burnout so i i don't know what the official diagnosis might be but it's it's something that i happen to 
to me like a couple of years ago when I was like kind of overworking as well mm. and maybe a little bit overstressed. For me, what I find is that when I'm going to bed, I'm thinking like my brain is like still going pretty fast and it's usually work-based. And then I'll wake up in the morning kind of like on a snap, brain sort of still running like really quick. And it kind of makes you think like, how have I really shut down? Have I really rested if I've kind of woke up and gone to sleep in the same way? And then I can just see it myself a bit tired behind the eyes, you know, even though you've slept, you're still a bit tired. Generally, just my behavior is a bit more like ratty. I guess mm. uh, a little bit more snappy, a little bit more prone to, you know, react. So yeah, kind of spotted it. And it, it kind of made me pleased because when I'd got burnt out a couple of years ago, it was something my manager kind of had to tell me, you know, he almost had to take me away and tell me, you know, I think you've got burnout. This is why, like, this is how you've been behaving. Like you need to take a break, et cetera. Whereas this time I was able to like self-spot it, which I think says a lot maybe about some of the work we do at the company to flag it up more and just generally kind of being more aware of our own well-being now. So it feels like it's a known feeling. You're familiar with this because you experienced it before. How mm -hmm. did you feel when your manager told you, I think you're burned out? It was quite a nice feeling, actually. You know, it was a couple of years ago, so I was a bit younger, only a few years into my career. And the, the manager at the time were very close. He's been my manager from when I started work. So he had a great relationship. You, you may even call us friends now. Well, I would. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he kind of took me to the side and just sort of said, look, I, you know, I think this is what I'm seeing. And, and this is why, like, how do you feel? And just kind of, you know, asked me how I was feeling, asked if I could see it myself. And yeah, it was quite like, it's like a nice relief almost just for someone to sort of spot that and mm. say like, it's okay. And I think he said something like, it doesn't matter if you don't do the work. You know, we were a very small startup at the time. So it felt like the world's on your shoulders. And if you don't do it, what happens? It doesn't matter if it doesn't get done. We'll figure it out, we'll fix it. But like, you just got to look after yourself. So it was definitely a nice feeling. And, and it really helped me from then to like kick on a little bit. I was able to finish work on time and just know that I had that comfort that I could kind of relax a little bit. It's amazing how sometimes just being seen or being accepted can give us this oh, deep breath and, and feeling like everything is okay, right? Absolutely. What do you think made you go to that place? Yeah, I mean... I think it's probably a combination of being relatively young, I guess at that time, it would be like 25, 26, so relatively early on in a career. So, you know, wanting to make a difference, you know, wanting to impress. Um, not that there was any undue pressure to do that, but I think when you're in a startup and it's a small company, you feel so bought in. It's not necessarily that someone else put that pressure on you, but you put it on yourself, you know, you feel so close to the product, so close to the customers, you want to do it. So. And maybe because the, the whole well-being conversation maybe wasn't as prevalent as it is now, kind of not really even looking out for it, not being aware of it until it was, you know, someone told me that this is what you're feeling. And I wasn't even aware what burnout was. I never really thought about it before. Now it's happened. I feel one, able to spot it myself and two, spot it in a colleague. So I mean, there was someone in my team recently was kind of feeling kind of similar, a little bit overworked and, and we were able to talk about it and, they were able to take a little bit of time off just to recharge. So, you know, I guess in, a, in that way, it was a good experience. Like it was a learning experience. And now you're more, I was hearing that you can detect those symptoms mm -hmm. before, and then you can prevent from going to that point. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Catching it before it gets too bad. Did you notice any changes or in your personal life, someone told you about your burnout or it was only so, noticed in the workplace? Uh, 
it was only really work and I, I mean I think work was probably all, all the life at that point you know in early out late my girlfriend at the time was uh, lived in America and I lived on my own so there wasn't a huge amount of people that, that could have been impacted outside of work but as I said you know in that startup culture early days that you are kind of friends almost you kind of colleagues and friends at the same time it can feel like so yeah not necessarily outside of work but you know do you consider those people close to friends anyway if not mm. friends so I experienced more or less the same so I identify of this feeling like going to bed and then it's like I can't stop thinking it's like oh my gosh <laughs> shut up shut up shut up and the cost for me at least was that I disconnected from family and friends because everything was my work right it's like mm. almost like you can't see it and when I think about what made me go that route? Because now it's easy to see like, ah, I won't do it again, right? It's like, I can mm -hmm. detect it, I wouldn't do it. But obviously back then I didn't have the resources that I have now. And when I reflect on that, I think it comes very close to what you were saying, that feeling of like impress. But in my case, at least was more like feeling accepted. I felt like my work defined who I am. So yeah. I don't know if mm. you feel like, this sounds familiar or maybe not at all yeah no definitely and i think i kind of brushed over the fact but i picked up on the point you were saying about uh, that disconnect with family i think that's and friends i think that's true because i think i said that oh i didn't impact my friends because i was just working so much but in a way that's you know that's already impacting it because you've just completely not connected with them in the same way you normally would so yeah that's that's an impact i hadn't thought about necessarily so yeah. i think generally my relationship with my friends and family is a relatively like there's I don't know what the word there's a level of trust there so it doesn't need to be constant I don't need to constantly be checking in when I need it I can go back to it and it's there when you say this I at least feel like you have a solid support and friends that mm. are there for you even though if you're not in a daily basis communicating with them or mm -hmm. it sounds like you you have a lot of like emotional support from family and friends Yes. Yeah. I, I well, I, I think I do. I, I'm not sure if I could call my family particularly on the emotional side, but oh. I think they're quite stoic northerners, but they are, they're supportive in their own way. They are there. They are, they're always there. And yeah, they support in a, in a way that works for me. And yeah, I value them a lot. Do you miss having emotional support from your family? I mean, I'm, the sort of family we are, we're not particularly big on, uh, not that big on emotions. You know, we're quite pragmatic with our approach to stuff. It is something I sometimes reflect on, like I, I have therapy, so it might come up. But I, I, you know, I actually, I really value my family and the emotional strength that they've given me to deal with stuff I actually really value. When I do reflect on it, I think I would like, you know, maybe for my family in the future to have maybe slightly more open relationship with emotions and one that's a bit more, you know, it's okay to feel and it's okay to talk about it. I would like to bring that in a bit more, but. I do value kind of how my family have brought me up in that sense. For me, at least when I was a kid, my dad was like working, 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 and I barely knew him. And so I remember like this man that is, it happened to be my dad. <laughs> and I remember that he wasn't very emotional, not only talking about emotions, but also expressing emotions. And, you know, I have this memory of when I was a kid, he would hug me and I would immediately want to cry because I was not used to that. So I was like, 
this is too awkward, but I couldn't mm. handle it. At least for me, I, I missed it a lot. And then he moved to Barcelona where I live now. And by the time I was 18 and I have like a, like a very honest conversation with him explaining how my childhood was for me because of this workaholic that he was, right? It was amazing how he changed like completely. And now we are super close. We talk about emotions. Oh, wow. He says, I love you. It's like, like <laughs> crazy. And my dad, I'd put on the workaholic side of things as well. And I remember him just as this like, kind of like acing like a superhero. Cause he used to wear this big long trench coat and I used to, I'd be in bed by the time he came home and I'd see him like through the banisters and I'd be like, oh, there's like a superhero coming home. Yeah. I mean, that, that's really cool. You had that conversation with your dad. Yeah, I haven't done that. Would you like to? Hmm, would I like to? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if I would actually. I'm not talking yeah. if you would do it. I'm talking <laughs> if you would like it. Yeah, I. Th you know, ultimately, I think it probably would be a good thing for both mum and dad, actually, if we did it. But if I think about myself and I think about our family, it probably isn't something I'll do. It's not something I'm necessarily craving. But I think if it was done well, it would be, it would only be a good thing. I just plant the seed there and I leave it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to grow now in my brain. So you were saying that in your work, you have a really, it sounded like a really special place where you can, you feel very safe. And mm -hmm. that from your personal experience you're also learning how to help other people so how are you applying all your knowledge on your experience in your work or in your day-to-day -day with others mm -hmm. so the company i'm at my tutor really for us it's just been about it's all well and good like saying these things saying going for walks but it really needs to come top down and you need to see leadership championing these behaviors you need to see leadership that showing that it's okay to be vulnerable that it's okay to you know need time in the day and flexible working and it's okay to take time out of your usual day job to do you know something that gives you joy or one of the initiatives that we put on i think particularly early on in lockdown we, we started to put on you know maybe yoga in the day and, and but you know attendance wasn't maybe quite what we anticipated and I think one of the things was that when we spoke to people, they were kind of like, oh, I, you know, I don't feel comfortable going. I haven't, I've got too much to do. Or if I go to this, does that mean I have to have you know, less lunch and I want to use my lunch to go outside? So it's really just about laying out the playing field of like, it's okay. You know, you can take this time. You can have lunch and do this and making sure management have really bought into it as well. It seems like it is a business or it is a company that really leads by example and the leadership embodies those things that they want other people to to do definitely definitely i think you know with any anything in a business well-being or like the values that you want like or the ways of working it's so important that it that it kind of is not just spoken by leadership but also acted on and i think that's something that we really stand by and, and try to do even though you know we all fall foul of it sometimes we've all seen you know a head of department working over lunch but it is something that we try to call out on each other as well so if i see another leader in the business doing it, I'll try and call them up on it because we know kind of the, the trickle down impact that it can have. Also, I've done my mental health first aider training, which has been really useful for, you know, 
again, raising awareness around what are the possible difficulties people might be dealing with, spotting signs, actionable steps. So one thing we have is mental health drop-in sessions where I have an hour every Friday, every week, as do all the other mental health first aiders. You can just drop in, talk about anything you want. It won't be shared with your manager. It's completely um, a safe space to talk. So like things like that came off the back of having the training because one, it kind of gave us the idea for it. And two, it gave me and others the confidence to actually have those conversations. That's amazing. I was thinking it would be so great if every leader, when they assume the position of management, they have a training on this, right? So they can navigate difficult conversations. Because when someone comes and says like, I don't know, I have a headache, I can't come to work. That is an easy conversation, right? It's like, yeah, take care. Bye. Take a pill. How are you feeling? Mm -hmm. that's, that, yeah. that's an easy one. But if someone comes and says like, I'm feeling extremely sad, you know, for some people, it's very difficult to navigate those mm. conversations. I'm just thinking those kind of like basic trainings for every leader, apart from having key people to, to support, mm -hmm. it would be amazing. Definitely. Because I think, you know, with a headache, like I say, it's an easy question with sort of mental health. Everyone has their own relationship with mental health. And what one person does might be completely different to how someone else needs to be spoken to. So it can be quite an uncomfortable place to be as a leader. So yeah, I completely agree about training. What what we're doing is, which is you know, maybe not quite as good, but from the people have learned, we've started running some manager sessions. So there's some workshops, some group sessions to try and get more learnings out there about, you know, practical tips, spotting signs, uh, actionable steps, how to build it into a one-to-one. -one. So it's like part of the normal conversation. Some of the other stuff we do, which I really like, is we have something called an adjustment passport. So essentially, if, if say I was someone who's particularly struggled with anxiety, for example, me and my manager can work on this document together, which outlines what I need as an individual to be able to work at my best. So maybe all feedback needs to be delivered in person, you know, no written feedback because where there's not enough context, it can kind of send you in a little bit of a spin. It also makes it easier. Say your manager changes, say you suddenly work on a cross team project. You can just hand over that document to save you having another half an hour conversation to lay it all down. And um, so that's a really good one that we're, we're quite proud of. What other things, if you had all the resources in the world and all the time and all the money, what else would you like to, to see happening in your company? I mean, I'd love to have everyone to have some sort of like therapy or, you know, we do coaching. So we work with a company that does coaching, which can, you know, ha can have positive effects on people, maybe dealing with workload and stress, but I'd love a maybe more specifically kind of therapy or counseling. I, I don't know the exact terms. Totally agree with you that coaching is one thing and therapy is another thing, mm. right? And yeah, sometimes you see good progress, even at work when you have this emotional support with someone that has the skills to navigate those more personal mm -hmm. topics, let's say. Definitely. I mean, the same manager that was really helpful when I burned out, I remember he told me when he first started the company, he was like, oh, as soon as I set up, I got a therapist because I just knew how stressful and difficult running a small business will be. And, you know, being in charge of people's livelihood and, and hiring and being a manager. So when I became a manager a couple of years down the line, that was one of the things that kind of inspired me that maybe I could do this support because I know how difficult this is going to be. So yeah, definitely something I personally find useful in management, leadership, just general work life. 
Yeah, it is important not to wait until you're burned out or you have physical symptoms in order to have that support and explore. It can be a nice mm -hmm. journey as well. You mm -hmm. said you you are currently doing therapy, right? Yeah, I've been doing it for a couple of years. I absolutely love it. And like you say, it's not like, oh, necessarily have to have anything like a problem that you're trying to solve for it can just be good keeping things sticking over I and mean, like one thing I've been working on this might make me sound like some sort of robot but like empathy I do have empathy I'm not I'm not a psychopath but <laughs> I think I read something somewhere that's like empathy is a bit like a muscle you need to practice you need to get it working and like if you had a certain type of upbringing maybe it's like less attuned to working than say someone who was it was used a lot so it's something that I've been working on is like where I'm at, particularly in a people function like these difficult conversations you might have direct line management conversations like how you can work harder to like understand people their problems like how they'd feel and like what it means to them really getting in their shoes is something that therapy has been really helpful for and I feel like my empathy muscles are getting bigger I used to be terrible for being in a meeting with someone and typing away only engaging when I needed to and you know that's not fair that's not empathetic and I have shifted and it's now something that I really don't do and I'd be mad at myself if I did now but you know that's one step towards being a more empathetic listener and a more empathetic leader but I think it's definitely a journey that I'm still going on and I want to feed it more into the way I work with others. How did you do it? What changed <laughs> in order to become more an active listener? So well the, the first thing I did was on Zoom took my picture off so I can never see myself now it's impossible to not just sort of constantly like look at yourself a little bit so that was number one the second one was close all of the applications closed or, or minimized you know no notification so if you're on you're on the screen and it's going to be me and you talking and just like knowing that I'm giving up that time so if it's a half an hour meeting if it's an hour meeting fine I'm giving an hour but I don't need to be productive in that hour necessarily I'm there to listen first take that in and, and you know not look to respond you know it's not about my response not formulating response it's fine if there's a bit of a pause while I listen take it in and then speak back just kind of being aware of that stuff has been has been really useful and you know hopefully it's better for the people I work with as well that is great tip especially the one not having yourself in the <laughs> screen is so easy yes. to go and, and oh, yeah <laughs> yeah highly recommend it <laughs> It's great how we work on something in therapy and it helps us in our personal life, in our professional life. It's not divided, right? It sounds like you're learning a lot that you can apply in your role. What would you say or what tip would you give a head of people like you in another company around mental health? So look at your policies, set yourself some guiding principles for whenever you set a policy. So we as a senior leadership team and the people team kind of wrote out our guiding principles of what the culture should be like at my tutor in terms of like physical and, and social and, and mental well-being if you get them in place like a lot of the initiatives that we have weren't created by me they were created by my people manager who's probably even more attuned but what we were able to do is kind of give them the context of like this is what we want for people this is how I want people to feel you go run away and you can put these things in place and they have done it and that's kind of how we've got this this great well-being culture that we have That's really cool. It sounds like mental health doesn't belong only to the people team, but to everyone. And it's like you encourage everyone to take part of it and to to own mm -hmm. it. Definitely. I mean, we did a, a little initiative recently where every senior manager, so head of and senior leadership, 
and then we had all the people in the company and then i think it was like you had seven people to meet over seven weeks and it was just to check in ask them kind of like how they're getting on whether they feel comfortable with the work how are they finding lockdown one it was great because it really gave the leaders a sense of like what's going across the company what the sentiment is how they're feeling because i guess if you're a senior leader and you're just managing the middle management you're only getting a certain view so like the junior team have been loving it meeting all these new people feeling supported but then at the same time the senior leaders are learning so much meeting new people across the business so yeah that's been a, a cool one and and yeah it aligns with getting everyone to buy and it's not just the people team's job that's really important the reality is that not all the companies are like my tutor and not all the head of people are in companies that have this healthy environment. And sometimes you do have one or two leaders that are not so invested in mental health. Mm -hmm. How would you shape that in them? Yeah, that's that would be a, a tough one. I think whenever you've got to convince senior leaders of anything, it's important to understand what their thought process are. So often for a lot of senior leaders, they quite like data. So they might be quite data driven. So it might be that it's important for you to go out and find some data from society, I guess, you know, maybe combine that with some survey data. So, you know, if you can just sit in front of them and say, look, we surveyed the company and nine out of 10 people have struggled with their well-being in the last three months, which is some, that's actually a result we got. We did a survey and, uh, you know, nine out of 10 had felt that they'd impacted by lockdown. So if, if they're very kind of output work focused, make your questions tailored towards that when you ask the company like has your mental health impacted your ability to deliver on your role has your mental health prevented you from hitting target or whatever it might be and then i guess if you are in a lucky position where maybe a couple of your senior leaders are brought in and a couple aren't i'd probably leverage the ones who are get them talking about their experiences get that conversation going i, I guess they're things that kind of jump to my mind without having had any experience of it Well, it was really nice talking to you. I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. I wish you the best. And it was really, really nice getting to know yeah. you. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Thank you so much. Take care and Thanks. see you soon. Mental Health at Work is hosted by Maite Otero, produced by myself, Simon Dumont, and brought to you by Oliva, proper mental health care for the whole team. Thanks to Will for sharing loads of great tips on promoting mental health in the workplace and for being the first self-described stoic northerner on the podcast. If your kid has GCSEs or A-levels coming up, my tutor is here to help. If you're into the podcast and you want to support us, you can like or subscribe to Mental Health at Work on your platform of choice or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, preferably a positive one. Thanks for listening and see you next time.